0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and a short feature series, Remembering John Paul Jr., which focuses on the late race car driver's career in sports cars. Known as one of the most natural talents in the sport, Jr. became a champion in the International Motorsports Association's fearsome GTP class, won many of the biggest endurance races, and added a famous IndyCar victory to his growing reputation before his father's drug trafficking business ensnared snared the two in 1986. With his career halted during the 30 months he spent in prison, compounded by a refusal to testify against his father, John Paul Sr., the Indiana native returned to racing in 1989 and continued driving until the early 2000s. Altogether, the vast majority of Junior's exploits in racing came in sports cars and i have assembled eight brief episodes with his friends, co-drivers, team owners, and an IMSA official to share their insights and appreciations for all that made John Paul Jr. such a beloved figure inside the sport and in some of the interviews our guests speak to the latter years of junior's life where he fought and ultimately succumbed to the neurological disorder huntington's disease junior's close friend author sylvia wilkinson wrote a book titled 50 50 about his life and career before and after huntington's impact and while the book is sold in many places you would like to support his legacy a purchase directly from sylvia through the email address john morton racing at att.net. will send some of the proceeds to UCLA for ongoing research to combat the disease. Of all the drivers who shared cars with Junior, Chris Neifel came the closest to sharing a career as the two took up racing within a year of each other, competing in Formula Fords, then arrived in IndyCar in 1983 as rookies. When Nifel's time in open wheel wound down, well, guess who was there to step in? Two became friends and, fittingly, close their top line racing careers as teammates in the new Corvette racing team, which debuted in 1999. Our friend Mr. Nifel closes our series, remembering John Paul Jr., all brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and torontomotorsports.com. Chris Neifel, you and Ron Fellows were fortunate to have the, I guess, equally tall drink of water to yourself, known as John Paul Jr., as a teammate in what was his final major factory-type, big-deal sports car effort. That was the inaugural season for what we know and love today as the Corvette Racing Team. That being 1999, that certainly wasn't the first time you got to know John Paul Jr. So while we are paying tribute to him and telling some tales about his sports car career, Since we have the Rolex 24 coming up, I know you can wind us back quite a ways, if not to the darn near the beginning before we start to get into uh, some of the sporty car stuff. You knew John Paul Jr. when your two how did you ever fit in them frames were racing Formula Fords, right?
1: Yes, we actually went, I think John started like a year, maybe a year and a half, whatever, before me. So I started in 79 and uh, he, I know he'd been racing for at least a year, which makes sense just from age. He's like a year older than me. So, so I met John for the first time in the summer of 79 and uh, we went down and we racing in the, uh, some Southeast division stuff uh, when he was, you know, out of Atlanta. So we crossed paths and we, we met, you know, we raced against each other a few times, uh, in that first year and, you know, it was like, okay, we knew each other, but we certainly weren't, uh, we weren't friends nor even rivals for that standpoint. Cause I was racing in central division. He was Southeast. We really didn't cross paths a whole heck of a lot because in like 1980, he started doing a lot more of the IMSA stuff. And, uh, and then of course in 81, I went into the Atlantic series. So our, at that point we were sort of in our separate ways. But uh, in 1983, we were both rookies in the IndyCar series. You know, so at that point, it was we had some commonality in terms of a we you know we knew each other from before, and you know from the early days, and you know we were both rookies. Uh, our crew chiefs, his was Phil Casey. He was driving for VDS. So Phil Casey and my crew chief Wayne Leary, those two guys were tight. And we were also garaged very close to uh, to each other there on Lane Alley, so it just sort of pushed us back together. You know, we got to know each other pretty well early in the season, in uh, in '83, and of course his his month of May was cut short because he had a, a practice crash yeah. and uh, broke his broke his leg. And, uh, but, you know, he and his, uh, I'm pretty sure girlfriend at that time, Trish, they, they stuck around. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I, when John passed, uh, I was looking back through some old pictures and I actually saw a picture of, of race mourning that year in sitting in the garage and, uh, was sitting, uh, his girlfriend Trish was sitting. The picture was the, the two of us sitting there together and I was, I was still in my, you know, jeans and regular clothes and, uh, we were obviously just sitting there chatting away so it was was one of those things that you know we seem to be sort of linked together then of course you know john's great win at michigan i had a pretty good seat in the house for that one Uh, (laughs) yes as i've
0: been reminded and i think we discussed before you have it's not you having the infamy if anything it's the broadcasters having the infamy of trying to interview you while you are in a bad way in a crumpled race car, right? Not, Hey, yes. you're done and out of the hospital or infield care center, but like you're genuinely still strapped into the car, not feeling too great on John Paul Jr.'s great day. But, uh, yeah, give the guy a break, but no, you're
1: doing an interview in a right. wrecked well, car. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, matter of fact, that was, uh, none other than, uh, Bruce Jenner did the interview, uh, or tried to do the interview. But like I say, you know, John, you know, made the big pass on, uh, on mirrors and, uh, went, won that race, which was totally cool and, uh, didn't end so well for two of us. You know, that's, that's all right. And then, you know, strangely later that year, my IndyCar career was coming to a close. I got, I can't remember. It was not long after that crash at Michigan. Uh, I got sent to england uh to the march factory to see if i could uh, fit into a a 1985 tub the answer was no and as a matter of fact i I literally did not even spend a hotel night in England. I was there, couldn't fit in the car. There's really, there was no way to make the tub bigger, you know, so modifying. It really wasn't a consideration and, uh, for all intents and purposes, that was the end of my open wheel end of my open wheel career. And, uh, you know, not long after that, I, I did a couple, maybe few more races. That was 84, John Paul, Jr. Got put into the car. I, so I got taken out of the car. And uh, John, I know he drove Pocono, the Pocono 500 there in '84, and I think he might have done one more, maybe two, two with the team. And uh, you never want to uh, root against anyone, but it didn't break my heart when he really, really struggled at Pocono. I was like, okay, well, it wasn't me. You know, that's also why the why the team put him in, you know, to see what was going on. That was something, whether it was him or someone else that was going to happen. So fair enough. But you know, it was so it was interesting how our careers and lives sort of intersected there for at least a while at the beginning and gosh at that point now we're going to take a jump for called the end of 1984 fast forward basically to the you know 1998 Really, when when it first uh, became known that John was going to join Ron and myself in the, uh, the tall car uh, <laughs> for Corvette racing, right? I guess that was the tall, and it was ideally suited because really in terms of our uh, length of our legs, our waist size, John, Ron, and myself are all close enough. We could all fit in the car nicely in the same seat, and it worked out really great. And not for nothing, having having John join Ron and myself, we were so thrilled and excited to have someone of his talent. known him obviously for a long time, and you know, liked him, and it was just a really, really good fit. And it's one of those things, you know. By the time you know, by the time we got to that points in all of our careers and our lives, you know, you're really different. You're a different person than you are when you're 19, 20 years old. So the the timing was really ideal for for the three of us to just be together and really appreciate, you know, what we were there to do and appreciate the opportunity and, you know, know that we could have time together and really be, you know, we weren't climbing the career ladder at that point, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, our careers were, you know, obviously in, in all three of our cases, we had, you know, far more days in the rearview mirror than we did looking out the, the front of the window you know so it was it was really good and it was then that we really even became better friends we weren't chasing we weren't chasing our careers our you know these we were just there you know we had uh you know common goals and interests and we we're all pulling for each other you know so that was that was really awesome and you know it was those were hard days with corvette because nothing was a given there wasn't any guarantee that you know that program was going to be around for more than a year a couple years and success was hard to come by everything was new we were the pioneers putting it putting it on the map but having you know, having someone with his, obviously his, his talent and skill level just added, you know, just made us that much better, you know, so that was, that was a, that was a good year. And, uh, you know, we did not do the full season. So as it turned out, John, you know, it wasn't, he was part-time driver. I mean, really other than, other than the testing that, that Ron and I did pretty much when we went to the racetrack, John was going to be there. And, uh, so that was, that was cool. You know, of course it wasn't, uh, wasn't long after that, that, uh, you know, his career pretty much was over now, of course, at the. The time none of us knew why. All found it a bit strange, uh, in as much in you know. I'll say this because I you know I don't want anything to be in the wrong context or or negative, and I certainly it's certainly not my intention. But the, the last race we did was petite was the petite Lamar race in 1999. Yeah, John just you know there were a couple things a couple things sort of went down on that race weekend. It was super hot, which that's just a sidebar, but John's father showed up at the track, showed up at the track, uh, unbeknownst to junior and wow, wow. It, it, I don't know this for a fact, but it was, it was certainly in to this day is my impression and understanding that that was the first time that he'd been to a racetrack, uh, since his full ordeal and it, which whether or not that's true or not i don't know uh, it, it doesn't really matter but there are a couple things that stood out to me at the time and to this day just found odd was what number one the amount of people that were walking up to him and you know being all chummy and you know the old pat on the back and i was like some celebrity type status and i found that to be odd and this is a person that i never really knew his father so this is a just me from uh outside looking in kind of thing and secondly how it affected jr and it did his pace just went south it went south fast to the point where you know ron and i ron and i talked about it you know the two of us and it was like literally have you noticed is john all right kind of thing and uh and you know you could see it on the on the stopwatch completely out of character you know he crashed the car in the uh the pre-race warm-up took a good chunk of the back end off which was seriously like at road Atlanta for all the miles he's got around there that just, sorry, you know, that just doesn't, doesn't happen. Doesn't ha- it, it doesn't happen. John Paul Jr.'s head was screwed. Like there, you could just, it was, he did, I think part of a stint in the race. They pitted him early, took him, you know, that was, took him out of the car and Ron and I did the rest of it. Like I say, and it was a, trust me, as hot as it was, We, you know, we didn't have cool suits and AC units and all the fancy stuff that these guys have nowadays, nor did that car have any, (laughs) just trust me when I tell you it was hot, hot, hot. We would love to have had a third driver. We needed, we needed a third driver in that race. And, uh, it was a really sad, unfortunate conclusion to one that we never really understood or got an answer for. And the reason that I bring it up in terms of the talking to you and, and your audience about this is since he passed and, you know, reading so much of the things that have been written about him and I know, you know, that Sylvia's book and everything and sort of knowing what we know now, he may have been starting to, ha- you know, have some of the adverse effects of his disease may have been that might've been the very early stages of that. So of course, that's obviously something that not even he would have known at the time. And it's entirely possible that uh, maybe it was a perfect storm. You know, who knows, who knows what happened? I don't know. Certainly doesn't matter nor change anything in terms of how much, you know, we love the guy, but you know, in, in terms of just for, for me, and and I think it's actually very cool, but I got to race against him in formula Ford 1600, literally, you know, my first and probably his second year, uh, when we were obviously both just starting out and then to have our careers sort of take different paths, but then reintersect a few years later in Indy cars of all places, like who would have ever even thought, right. And then here we are racing Indy cars. And then of course he has, you know, wonderful success at, at Michigan, you know, and then for all kinds of things you know life happens goes on and you know now we're talking about darn near decades you know 15 years later here we are back together again at at corvette racing you know it was just cool over the you know that large course of time to you know to be able to Say hey, we started together and pretty much did the full thing. We did the full dance together, and uh, to me, it was an honor because the guys. He, I always thought he was a badass. You know, he there was absolutely no fear in that guy, and he had the talent. It's one thing to have no fear; it's another thing to have the the skill to you know command it. The guy was the guy was just. Brilliant. So I'm not going to say anything that probably hasn't been said in terms of accolades that none of us uh, haven't read. It's really an honor, you know, like I've, you know, I've photographs on my wall, you know, all around my my house and trust me there's a there's a couple of you know john and i together it's just one of those things that uh, you know you, you see the picture every day and brings warmth to the heart he was a special special guy it was just it was cool to be able to share share some of the the good times with him you know it all it all worked out pretty good and it, it's uh, the one thing the one thing that uh, i do say with uh, with some regret do you know and i i know this for a fact was john wasn't at corvette racing you know with the idea for him to only be there for the one year you know the idea was for for us to continue on as a team with you know ron myself and john you know that's something that we we just never got to do and that's you know that's uh it's sad it's unfortunate because it would have been you know i think we could have done some amazing things but we all know how life works right i mean you know doors open and closed uh, for different people at different times. And, uh, you know, so here we are.
0: Thanks once again for listening to Remembering John Paul Jr. Thanks as well to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, com for supporting all we do. If this is your first time listening, you might pay a visit to com. We have more than 1,000 episodes awaiting your perusal plus a lovely little subscribe page where you might follow along with all the new content we generate.